Now, Daylene and Janie will tell you that, i tell you, I had a bad day yesterday. How many had a bad day yesterday? Good, nobody but me. What that means is I absorbed it all for you, so you didn't have to. Had a bad day. Then I got in, and this is, <laughs> and God teaches and learn. He, he teaches me all things. Got in last night about uh, seven o'clock, and uh, now now Friday night I, I preached. Part of what I preached on is what happens when Jesus gets on your wrong side. Does that ever happen to anybody? There's two things. He can get on the wrong side of you or you can get on the wrong side of him. And sometimes it's a simultaneous exchange. But uh, yesterday I think I had one of those simultaneous exchanges. Got in at 7 o'clock last night. I had my, had my little business all in a row for today and, and uh, all afternoon. You know, I was doing stuff I didn't want to do. And I was complaining, which is something I said I was not going to do Friday because that was part of the message. You not complain because when you complain, then you, know, you get on the wrong side of Jesus. But anyway, anyway. Um, got in last night about 7 o'clock, and the sermon completely changed. Boom. And so here I am. Pull my Bible out and start reading and, and looking. You know, without fail, when I read the first verse of what I'm going to share with you this morning, it was just like, Phew. you ever had Jesus hit you in the head with a hammer? Phew. And you realize, okay, I got the message. Phew, this is what this is all about. All right? I mean, uh, and I laughed about it. I didn't let them know I was laughing, but I kind of laughed on the inside. And so what I'm going to share with you this morning, it's about something that happened in the Old Testament. It's about where a widow, I'm I'm sorry, uh, a Shunammite woman and her husband made preparation to take care of a prophet. Give me my first slide up here just a second. And I call this protocol for the miraculous. And he called, that is, Elisha called Gehazi and said, Call this Shunammite. So he called her. And when she was coming unto him, he said, Take up your son. You see, her son had died. And God had raised this child from death to life through the obedience and the anointing of the prophet. And I want to talk to you this morning about the protocol for the miraculous. Next slide, please. Now, right here is when this thing began to hit me. If you have your Bible, turn to 1 Kings 4, 2 Kings 4. I'm not going to be reading all this scripture, but I got it noted out for you. 2 Kings 4, chapter, I mean, verse 8. It says this, Now it happened one day that Elisha went to Shunem, where there was a notable woman, and she persuaded him to eat some food and so it was as often as he passed by he would turn in there to eat some food that's really 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 innocent isn't it how many times have you ever invited a complete and total stranger into your home to eat a meal think about that how many times have you ever been to Walmart Harvey's Taco Bell Maybe not Taco Bell. If you're there, you're going to be eating anyway. Uh, have your car serviced at the shop or walking down the street and you begin to notice somebody. And God said, take this person home for a meal. 
How many times have we ever actually totally engaged that and brought somebody home for a meal? <laughs> Ooh, the terror that that strikes in our heart. They might be some kind of serial killer. They might be sick. They might, um, they might be hurting. They might be contagious. Uh, I don't know who they are. They may be a thief. Now, I'm not telling you to take in every person that comes your way. But what I'm telling you is I want you to look at this woman for just a minute. And the whole point, the entire whole point of this message is going to be that God will sometimes work a miracle at some point at your life in the future based on what you begin to do right now. There are all kinds of ways that God delivers miracles. If you've ever read the Bible, you know there is, it's unlimited the way he performs miracles. Uh, he rarely does everything the same exact way twice, and he does that for a reason. But what I'm going to share with you this morning, this is the way he did it here. Okay? And I want you to understand what you're going through right now and the situation that you are dealing with personally may not seem like much at the moment. But who knows but what God is laying the foundation for a miraculous situation in your life based on your obedience right now. What I'm doing right now, the very word that I'm proclaiming to you right now may be the foundation for a miracle that God is going to do for me this afternoon, next week, next month, ten years from now. Who knows? Now, having said that, I want you to just kind of put that up here in your, well, you don't have a hard drive. Put it in your soft drive, okay? Put it up here. In the, in, in the gray matter, but let it be underlined in red. I'm going to say this about this woman. As I began to engage the word, I learned that this woman was not your ordinary woman. This woman was a notable woman. And the word in the Old Testament that's used is to identify someone who is a gatherer of troops. Or in other words, it indicates a person who is a leader. Now, right here at this moment is when God began to transform my day yesterday. And for just about 10 minutes, I'm going to speak to those of you God has called to leadership. You may say, well, I'm not a leader right now. Go back to the original premise. Who knows, but two things right on the Who knows, but what? God is laying the foundation of a work in your life right now to call you into a position of leadership in some capacity. It may not be in the church, but it might be. It may not be in an independent ministry, but it might be. It may not be in business, but it might be. Where you are today, I'm going to talk to you exactly like you are the leader who God has called you to be. It's, we know it's going to be in the home. Moms and dads, we know it's going to be in the home. But I simply believe that God has in His heart to call His people 
out of the darkness that they've been in into some kind of light so his light can shine on them so they can in one way or another, regardless of who they are, be a leader in this world in some capacity. Now, having understood that, I believe every person in here is a leader and number two, I believe that he's laying the foundation for you to lead. You are a leader and he's laying the foundation for it and he's going to work it out in the near future. Okay? So I'm talking to you, I'm talking to the leader inside of you right now. Now the problem with being a leader is this. And I'm going to to save you some grief here. The problem with being a leader is this. Is that when you begin to be involved in leadership, sometimes, not every case, but sometimes leadership can go to your head. And every single one of you are mature enough to know and you have enough experiences in life probably to have encountered that somewhere along the way. Leadership, when it goes bad, is bad. (laughs) It's not just bad leadership, it's bad. So I'm going to save you a pitfall. When God places you in the position of leadership that He has ordained for you to occupy... Always keep yourself humble and always keep an, keep a, keep, keep an understanding that what the, the first rule about being a leader, the first rule is that you never stop serving people. Never. The moment a leader abdicates his responsibility to serve others is the exact moment that he is, is, is really and totally no longer capable of being a leader. Does that make sense? Have you been there? <laughs> Have you known somebody who's been there? It's ugly. You know, I'll confess. I've been there before. And it's a bad room to be in. So I'm going to show you some things about this leader who saw another person and she decided based on what the Lord said, and if you read the next verse, you'll see that she talked with her husband and she said, darling, this is a South Georgia paraphrase, she said, darling, I was at Walmart today and I saw this fella and he's got an anointing on him. And I think what we need to do is we need to build a room on our house so this guy can have somewhere to stay when he comes through our town. And her husband didn't even argue. He said, yes, baby. That's in the second verse after this. Yes, baby. (laughs) So they decided to build a room. I want to show you some things about this woman that marked her as a great leader, some things that we need to Every single one of us now, we need to absorb and we need to just chuck away because it's going to come in handy for us. Next slide, please. She was hospitable. Now, I'm going to step on some toes. I was raised in a big old country church. Big old country church. And one of the hallmarks of people who live in the country, in the, in the rural areas and, and, and to a lot of people who, who are in 
city churches, especially in South Georgia and in the, in the rural part of the state, you know, we're hospitable. We invite each other into our homes to have meals. Did you know that is a dying characteristic in the church? Why? Well, a couple, three reasons. Number one, we live a fast-paced life. We have a drive-through mentality. We live isolated from most of, even the church culture that we're exposed to. Hospitality is one of the things that the first century church was very proficient in. They were in each other's homes on a daily basis. They developed relationships. See, hospitality is the doorway to relationships. This woman knew that. And so she is saying, among other things, in this passage, as she speaks through her actions, she is saying, I want to develop a relationship. I want us to develop a relationship with this person. And the only way you can really develop a relationship with anybody is to spend time with them. And if you really want to get to know somebody, put them at a table full of fried chicken and tater salad. You will find, listen, if you want to make a friend, hot fried chicken and cold tater salad. (laughs) And you'll make a friend of anybody in South Georgia. You'll get to know that person. 2009, I want to encourage you. Matter of fact, I'm going to challenge you to have each other in your homes. I want you to do that. I want, you to ha- I want you to entertain people. I'm not telling you to pick up every person on the street, but I want you to pray about who to establish relationships with. Okay? And I want you to pray about who to have in your home. And I guarantee you there's going to be somebody out there thinking of you too at some point. Next slide. She discerned the man's anointing. Now, part of this message, and I need to go ahead and say that probably at this point, is that the man was a prophet. Elisha was a prophet. She discerned he was a holy man. And she felt like she discerned his anointing, and she she was impressed to establish a relationship with him. Okay, and I'm going to get to something else in just a little bit, but she she established a relationship with this prophet. And uh, what is it? Help me out here with the scripture that talks about receiving a prophet's reward. What's the scripture? If you receive a prophet in the name of a prophet, you receive a prophet's reward. Okay, something else that's missing in the church. And I'm going to tell you, Sunday is going to be a place where we're going to have some really practical stuff. Really practical stuff. Did you know that today, I've been pastoring for 20 years. What I am about to say is, you need to understand something. This is not a complaint from my department. Okay, everybody got that understood? Okay, repeat after me. Brother Keith is not asking for anything. He's not mad with me, but he's going to make a point. A general statement that the body of Christ needs to hear and know, starting right now. Here it is. The body of Christ is losing what was a common characteristic many years ago. And that is, they are failing to take care of the physical needs of the people who serve them. They are failing to respect and honor the ministries that God has established in 
a house and in the kingdom. The body of Christ has become entirely too familiar with the person who ministers to them and not the office that is being ministered through the person. You see, you can be friends with a prophet or an apostle or an evangelist or a pastor or a teacher. You can be friends with them. But a lot of times friendship leads to a poor relationship when that person begins to operate in their ministry. There's, there, there's little respect. Okay? And so what I'm saying today is there needs to be a respect. And there needs to be a place that's given in the body of Christ to people who are called to ministry to fill whatever office it is. They didn't go asking for it. Okay? However, there are places online where you can go and you can become a minister for 40 bucks and in about 10 minutes. You'll have your certificate emailed to you as an attachment. Boom, instantly. But I'm telling you this now. I and you need to recapture the respect and the honor that's due people who minister to us. That is, that is one of the clauses of deterioration and sloppiness in the body of Christ today. And on the other hand, we've just kind of accepted anything and everything. That's the reason why you can pop on the internet and you can find any kind of prophetic word you want to find. Because we have just absolutely and totally, while we have failed to respect the ones that God's called, we've opened the door to every voice in the woodyard. You need to be careful who you receive your prophetic words from. And you need to be careful what you read. And if there's something in you saying, now's not the time to get on this list or this mail out, then, then you, need to, you, need, you need to pay attention to that. Not that they're bad people, mind you. Okay, I'm just... Wife well, said one good thing about PowerPoint is it'll keep me on track. Next slide. She and her husband made extended provision for the prophet. See, here, her service was in no way connected to the money because they were going to go to considerable expense to build a room on the upper portion of their house, on the wall of the house. Chances are on the roof of the house. They were going to go to, you know, to expensive measures to provide this man an opportunity just to go in and out of their homes. Okay? With her, it was not about the money. Next one. She did not seek reward for her actions because the word says, if we make him a bed, he'll come in and stay here. Well, she made him a bed. She made him a room. She put a bed in there, a table, a stool, and a lampstand. He came in, and the first thing he did was he laid down on the bed. That tells me this man had a need. He was tired. <laughs> now, get this, okay? Now, here's, here's, the, here's the instantaneous nature of how God works. The prophet laid down on his bed, and while he was laying on his bed, I, I would do this, but it would probably be unsightly. <laughs> he laid down on the bed, and while he was there, I can, just, I can see this, okay. While he was there, he put his hands behind his head, he laid back on the pillow, and he just kind of, and I'm assuming here he had a pillow, okay. He kind of crossed his leg and closed his eyes, and 
Gehazi, his servant, was there. And he said, Gehazi, call this woman. Find out what she needs. Do, do, do I need to speak to the king? Listen, do I need to speak to the king for her? Do I need to speak to an officer in the government? Do I need to speak to anybody in authority on behalf of this woman? Does she have a court case that needs to be cleared up? Does she have a financial matter that needs to be taken care of? Does she have a problem with um, uh, regulations? Has, has she broken the law? Is she a criminal? Find out what this woman needs. Gehazi, I mean, he's laying there on the bed, y'all. This is the first thing that comes out of his mouth. Gehazi goes, in, goes to where the woman is and... She says, I dwell among my own people. In other words, I don't need that. Listen, <laughs> look at the temptation here. For those of you who are going to be leaders, look at the temptation here. The temptation was this. Wow. It's like, okay, let me give you an example here. It would be like, let's just say, Kim Clement laying down on the bed at my house, if I had a house, and saying, Keith, what is it that you need? Can I speak to President-elect Obama for you? Can I go to Atlanta? Or can I, can I call Sonny on the cell phone for you? <laughs> Do I need to put in a good word for you down at um, Patterson Bank? What is it that you need? Ah, oh, boy. That would be a temptation. But she stands in front of Gehazi and she says, I don't need any of that. I'm happy with who I am and where I am. Uh, I live a common life amongst the people. Then, Gehazi reports to the prophet, and the prophet says, what does she need? And Gehazi says, she doesn't have any kids. He said, go and get her. She comes and stands at the doorway while the prophet's still on the bed. And he says to her, this is South Georgia paraphrase, he says, sugar? <laughs> With all due respect, he says, sugar, darling, whatever. And maybe, you know, anyway, that's just the way we are down here. He said, uh, about this time next year, you're going to have a child. And she <laughs> stands there and she looks at him and she says, no, not going to do that. Don't you pull my leg. Don't kid me. Don't play with my emotions. This is the thing that touches me at the deepest part of who I am. I am barren. I have no children. It's been the desire of my heart and my husband's old. Don't you start this. Well, guess what happened? About that time next year. Give me the next slide. She didn't seek a blessing for her actions, but she got it anyway. Leaders, let me tell you something. The thing that God wants to do in your life will more than likely be held in the destiny of other people. More than likely, the thing that you need in life, the miracle that you're going to get at some point, will be provided, as was in this case, by your ability and your desire and your humility to serve other people. You know, you can, and I, you know, oh well, I need to say this. You know, you can, you can become arrogant and aloof and self-centered and you can become distracted and you can become above everybody else. Go ahead. 
Maybe you need to do that and take a nosedive. Or you can keep yourself humble before God. And you can keep on serving people. And what's going to flow out of your life is the absolute total miraculous, the supernatural, the unadulterated and unbridled favor of God. The, say, the absolute unbridled favor of God. You feel that? I want to make sure everybody feels that. Now, there's something else cool about this. Now, this, this is the leadership part. Has everybody in here connected with premise number one? Okay, let's go to premise number two. Next slide. Now, in the latter parts of this, parts of this chapter, her son dies. At some point, he was, a, he was a, maybe an adolescent, maybe a teenager. I don't know. It doesn't say his exact age, but the little kid has like a stroke or an aneurysm or Something happens to him and he dies. Okay. The dad tells the servant to take the kid and put it on the knee, carry it to his mama. The kid was carried to his mama and she held him until about noon in her lap and the child died at about noon. She then remembers something. She then remembers the prophet and she remembered where his room was and she took the little fella and she laid him in the bed, and she shut the door. She goes out, she gets on her donkey, and she gets a servant, and she's going to Carmel, where the prophet lives. She had to see him, okay? She remembered the place. Get this? She remembered the place. And this is going to come on a slide, but I'm getting a little ahead of myself. But she remembered the place where that prophetic word was delivered, and her first miracle was uttered. And she was drawn back to it. She revisited. She revisited a place. And there's lots of spiritual parallels I can draw from there. But she remembered the place. And she put her son in the bed of the, of the man who was anointed. And I'm going to tell you now, <laughs> that was the best thing she could have done. And there's nothing wrong with that. Remember the New Testament, how they took, they took sweat rags of Paul... You know, a lot of people think this is a real neat thing. They took the handkerchiefs of Paul in the King James Version and they sent it to the people who were sick and people of all infirmities were healed and devils were cast out. That sounds neat, doesn't it? Handkerchiefs, you know. I buy handkerchiefs, or my wife does for me at JCP. They're little, little white things. They fold up neat and nice, you know, and you wash them every once in a while. You know what Paul's were? His was sweat rags. He had the audacity to send out dirty rags to people who were sick and needed to be healed and had to have devils cast out of them. Dirty rags. Would you send a dirty rag to somebody? No. You know what? The, you know what? <laughs> the handkerchiefs were used as point of contact, okay? That's what they were used for. Call it what you want to. I'm telling you, that's what they were. Because people believed, and evidently it was so that when Paul sweated, the anointing on the inside came out to what was on the outside. That's what they believed. And obviously it was so because when those handkerchiefs reached destination, bam, there it went. This woman kind of used the same principle here. 
she carried the kid, laid him in the, in the, in the prophet's bed because you know, there may have been a lingering of the anointing. Okay, a lingering of the anointing. But when she was asked the question, when she left the house, are you okay? This is what she said. It is well. I'm telling you now, it was not well in the real, in the reality, in the natural. That kid was dead. But she remembered the place she went to. And she remembered who it was she was dealing with. She was dealing with Yahweh. The Lord God Almighty, the provider, the sustainer, the helper, the one of all grace and mercy. She remembered that. And this is her expression. Right then, I believe, was a great bridge she crossed over. She said, it's well. It, 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 is, it is, no, she said, it shall be well. I think is what she said. She said, it shall be well. I didn't put shall up here. You can check it out. She said, it shall be well. She didn't say, kid's dead, it's bad. She says, it shall be well. She was looking beyond that point in time. Next slide. Then, when she got to where the, as she was approaching the prophet, the prophet seen her coming away off. He sent Gehazi to meet her. He said, there's a Shunammite woman. He'd go see what, go see, ask her if it's well with her, if it's well with her husband, if it's well with the child. Gehazi goes out to meet her in the roadway. He asked her the question, and this is what she said. She said, it is well. It's kind of like the woman in the New Testament who said, if I can only touch the garment of Jesus, if I can only touch the borders of his garment, if I can only touch the hem of his garment, if I can only grab the tassels uh, on his tallit, if I can only grab that, I'll be healed. This woman was operating in the same measure of, of New Testament faith that, the, that that woman was. If she, <laughs> The prophet's place was inside, she said, it's well now. I've reached my destination. Okay? Protocol for the miraculous. She would not release the promise of what she had received earlier. She would not release the, the prophetic word that had become a reality in her life. She held on to that. How many... Okay, let's just ask a question here. I've got a few minutes. How many people of us in this room right now, how many of us have received a prophetic word in the past and it came true, but now that thing is beginning to fade in your life. Beginning to fade a little bit. Maybe it's even dropped off the radar. I want to encourage you to do something today. I want you to reach down there. I want you to reach over there. I want you to reach out there. Whichever direction it is. I want you to reach out there and I want you to remember that word that was spoken over you. And I want you to remember the prophecy that was spoken that you walked in and you received at least a foretaste of it but it's not there anymore. I want you to reach down there. I want you to grab that thing and I want you to resurrect it today because that's what this is. It's about the resurrection of a word received that was slipping away. That's what this is about. Now, I'm going to be real, I'm going to be blunt and coldly honest with you. My little stuff in the last two years has been slipping away. That's what you're going to get in this house. You're going to get somebody that's going to be honest with you. My little stuff has been slipping away, but something's happened. Something's happened recently. Something's happened in the last few months. 
Why it has happened, I don't know, but I like it. There is being a resurrection. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why. I mean, lots of you intercessors have been praying for me. Lots of y'all have just been kind of, <laughs> that doesn't mean any harm, but, you know, through your relationship, when you just kind of grab me by the necktie and just be going, pop, 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 like that, you know? Maybe, that, maybe that's what I'm going to do with you this morning. I'm just going to slap you around just a little bit, and I'm going to tell you what you need to do is you need to reach down and you need to reapprehend that prophetic word, and you need to understand something, that what God has spoken, he's going to perform. It's not he's going to perform it and then forget it. The word says he's going to perform it, which is an active verb. It means he starts performing it now and he keeps on performing it unto infinity. Whatever ministry you've been involved in, whatever, whatever relationship you've been involved in, whatever the word has been, I'm going to tell you now that he wants you to reach down there and grab that thing again and nurture it and possess it and confess it as a as an absolute total reality. And I have concluded that I am going to walk as if it's a present reality. Even though the possession of it might be, you know, where is it at? I don't know. It's down here somewhere. Is it under here? Well, no, I guess not. But I tell you what, that word was spoken and it's still out there somewhere and it's still having effect. So I'm going to corral that thing. It's going to become mine again. I want to encourage you. Whatever you've lost, whatever you've given up, whatever the enemy's taken away, whatever that you have had that you don't have in terms of destiny and, 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 and place in the kingdom, take it up again. He's not done that thing originally for it to be wasted on you today. Next one. Now the old prophet went to where the kid was, prayed for him, laid down on top of him, went downstairs, walked and paced the floor, went back upstairs, laid down on him again. The kid sneezed seven times and was raised from death to life again. There was some persistent activity as Elisha pursued the reestablishment of this prophetic reality in the life of this family. And at this moment, when he called this woman in and said, take your son, at this moment, God reinstituted the blessing that she had received by promise that had been at one point in, in the natural slipping away. He reinstituted it. Because, listen to me, the tenor of her life had been to honor the prophet and bless him and keep him and watch after him and make sure his needs were met. He reinstituted that. See, this is part of what God honors. And there are people in this room I'm looking at all of you. Let's just go ahead and say this. There's every single one of you. You have got a destiny bigger than anything you could possibly ever imagine. Some of you, it's slipping away. The reality of it. The possession of it. When God began to deal with me yesterday and last night on this message... You know, I realized some things in my life. 
that he's reinstituting to me. Some prophetic words that's been spoken over me, some visions I've had that are just as real as that light bulb up there. And some of them I've let go and some of them are coming. Regardless of whether I've let it go or whether it's coming, he's reinstilled hope in me. I can't give you a magic formula for reinstilling hope in you. If you're listening to this, you say, well, that just ain't me. He just don't know about my circumstance. That just ain't the way it works with me. I've done this, I've done that, and dee 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 other. And I'm just simply telling you, you know what, you know what the chief hurdle is? You see, you've already laid the groundwork of consistency in your life for God to bless it. I'm firmly convinced. I, I, you know, I, I shared this with somebody earlier today. I am firmly convinced that the faithfulness of God is not contingent on what you do right now. And it's not contingent upon what you're, you're, it's definitely not contingent on what you're going to do. The, the faithfulness of God is contingent upon the tenor, the general tenor of your life and your investments that you've made in Him. He's going to bless your faithfulness. Okay, He's going to bless that. And if, you have, if you've fallen off the horse or the wagon, or if you have messed up in some way, you're not unrecoverable. If that's just happened now or recently, you just need to, you need to forget that. And you need to understand and cast your hope on God's promise to reward faithfulness and obedience for the long haul. Because you see, if in my life, if God, if he threw me away every time I screwed up, they'd be skid marks all over me. I'd be the most roughed up person in the world. I'd have band-aids and scars and casts and I'd come in looking like a mess. But he doesn't do that, y'all. He don't do that. He's not done that with me. And he's not going to do it with you. you got to understand. It's about the long haul. It's about what he's done. It's about his saving grace and his mercy. It's about his persevering love for you. It's about every single thing that you've experienced. It's about every time you woke up in the morning and said... You know, God knows I don't know how I'm going to put my shoes on today and walk out the door, but I'm going to do it anyway. And I've learned this. God will bless you even in your giving up. You know why? It's because He's got more mercy than you've got energy to give things up. I am totally amazed Go ahead, and, go ahead and give up. Let him surprise you. Now you have one of them aha moments like I had last night. For the love of Jesus and for everything he's put in you and for the word of God, whatever you do, don't let go of the word that's been spoken over you. That's why it's careful to receive words and not to receive some words. Okay, last slide. We about got the water ready? Good. 
when it come down to it on the day of this woman's greatest need, when all the chips were on the table, when she had went all in, when she, could have, when she had done everything she could possibly do, and there was not one thing else she could do except trust and embrace God and what he'd said. In the day of her greatest need, she received her miracle. Which was the reestablishment of something that was slipping away. I'm coming to believe, y'all. And with me, it's a process. I'm coming to believe some of the greatest things God will do, some of the greatest miracles he will do in your life and my life is to reestablish things we've already received. To not let them fall by the wayside. You know, the word says that, uh, you, know, you know, cast your bread on the water and it will return to you in many days. It's talking about tithes and offerings. Nothing you do in the kingdom is a waste. Nothing. Regardless of what the enemy tells you. And I'm going to tell you, he will lie to you. Don't you trust him. Don't you listen to him. He's a liar. The word says the truth is not in him. He is your worst enemy. And the interesting thing is he doesn't have near the power over you you think he does. 